Rev. Third third. <laughs> <laughs> ah, see, that's awesome. See, I, I thought I was very good at doing this thing. Right. That is better than I could have done. <laughs> this time, I'm going to start from where the egg is in the middle, where ah! the egg and fish. If then you are tea, jawa, you know, you start. <laughs> that is only le, 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 me, je. Uh, let me make mm, it. Let me make seven lives. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're gone for not two months, not six months, not one year. You're gone for essentially three, three years. Did you see yourself gone for three years when you were leaving? We wanted to go. That was when we started having strange dreams. Astonika had one. She went to Nigeria, came back, and it was a bad dream. When she told me, I said, I don't like that dream. Three days later, then I had mine. And in both dreams, I ended up fighting. In fact, the first one, of course, it was very difficult for me. The longest I had been out of Nigeria before base was eight weeks. I was not flexible. I did not realize that I was that inflexible. Wow, the guy died? Yeah, sadly. Wow, I, I, I didn't know any of that. I was what jealous I of you right? that time, actually. That <laughs> <laughs> was... The other spirit just said to me, why do you want to explain what even you don't fully understand? And that was the truth. Even I could not explain what I was going through. Right? Uh, look, that is, look, when, when I see God, I will ask him, what that thing is in most people that I, I don't get it to rev till tomorrow I don't get it right. uh, have you ever blocked anybody they will that's... believe you are not anointed <laughs> the person that our people will respect or honor is the one that shows up Rev. Third, third. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. you know, you know, I, I called you that. I must confess, I called you uh, a little over an hour ago, yes. and then you said you were coming down, <laughs> and then one hour passed, and I did not see you, and I'm like, ah, this is unlike Rev. So, so you know what came to my mind? I started to panic because right. I remember a story you told us once. Mm-hmm. about how you were about to step out from, from the house one Friday evening right. to go to church. And right. then the Holy Spirit told you, don't go. <laughs> and, yes. then, and then you were arguing. And the Holy Spirit said, if you go, whatever happens to you, you are on your own. Right. And so the moral of the story in the end was that no matter where I'm going, yes. if the Holy Spirit says, don't go, I will go back home. So I was like, oh, has the Holy Spirit told <laughs> Pastor Sam to go back, to go back into the room. <laughs> ah, oh yeah, uh, I was just coming by and saw some of our guys working really hard, and I thought to go encourage them. Ah, okay. And then I saw my phone ringing. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. So I was positively distracted. Ah, okay. Let me put it like that. Okay, I figured so it was... It was not the Holy Spirit this time. <laughs> I figured it had to be something like that. Oh, yeah? You know. I mean, so here we are. We're in, first of all, let me say thank you. I, I do not take this for granted because you, as far as I know, you don't grant many interviews. In fact, if I'm correct, when was the last time you granted an interview to anything remotely related or connected to Nigeria? 
That's been a while. It's <laughs> <laughs> been a while. I know. And I'm just about set actually to resume. Oh. So it's amazing that this is happening. Yes. So I'm at the vanguard of Absolutely. Of the newness. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's great. Just about set. Oh nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, uh, people say, in fact, lebo. Uh, you said in Latin, thank you, thank you for saying that. Now, now uh, they say, well, you don't, I mean, you don't prefer proverbs in front of older people, but since mm. I have preferred it, then mm-hmm. you have to translate it so. Maybe it's yes. like, uh, how do you say in English for people who don't understand Yoruba? Well, the first thing the elders do when you say a proverb before them is they say, Wapami. <laughs> <laughs> you will say another Amen. one. Right? Amen. <laughs> so, well, it, it, it simply means that um, we crack. A big issue from a small angle that we start from the easier part. Ah, see, that's awesome. See, I, I thought I was very good at doing this thing. Right. That is better than I could have done. <laughs> I would have given a longer sort of explanation as to what that means and all of that. <laughs> I gave it an headliner. <laughs> headliner. Okay. <clears throat> Guess it's my time on the media in broadcasting that taught me to edit <laughs> as I go along. Oh, that's right? good. That's good. Because my first producer on Success Power, he would insist that I had to write everything I was going to say, which which was, to me, was scandalous the first time he said this. What? I only write outlines so that I look at one line and I talk for 10 minutes or 20. Now you say I should write everything out. <clears throat> I did. And then he edited and he would cross out three sentences and replace them with one. I say, wow. He would say, how does this sound? I say, yeah, it's nice. It says, it says the same thing, doesn't it? I say, yeah. <laughs> he said, make it tight, make it tight. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Okay, well, I, I said that because uh, you start yes. from the small part of the bean cake, Abi. Exactly. I think, Abi, Akara is bean cake, but I think more and more into his, I mean, has to be bean cake, yeah, isn't uh, it? It's the same beans and all it's of that. It's the same beans, right? Yeah. So you start from the flat part of the bean cake. Yes, the soft part. The soft part. Well, this time I'm going to start from where the egg is in the middle, where ah! the egg and fish. If then you you know, you start. Hmm, that is Olele le Mimeje. Olele Mimeje with seven seven lives. <laughs> seven lives. <laughs> because there is. There is because <laughs> this interview is, I mean, will be completely without soul. Okay, nah. if I don't ask this, I mean, so a couple of years ago, you you left Lagos as you are wont to do, right? I mean, so we, the church members and acolytes and fans and followers of Samadhi, I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, I mean, normal, this is Rev just doing what Rev does. Yeah. Is off to preach in the United States or the United Kingdom or India or Australia or Africa or wherever else. Or maybe he's going to do one of those other courses that he does. Tops is gone for two weeks, three weeks. You know what? Mm -hmm. Long as he long, longest is gone for two months. It's been gone for two months before, you know, back. And then you're gone for not two months. 
not six months, not one year. You're gone for essentially three, three years, three whole years. So this is the question. Mm-hmm. Now, because you and I have a similar, we have similarities in that case. Right. About the same time we, we left right, and we were gone for almost four years. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I've told my wife and a couple of people on occasion that as we were going to the airport that day, yeah. if I had fallen asleep in the car for any reason mm-hmm. and I'd had a vision, Right. And an angel had said to me yeah. that as you are going so, mm-hmm. you will not come back to this Nigeria for mm-hmm. nearly four years. I'd have told the driver, turn, turn, back. turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back. We're not, we're not going anymore. Yeah. There was no way I saw us gone for that long. So the question is, d- did you see yourself gone for three years when you were leaving? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, Pastor Nikki and I left I think it was the 24th of February 2020 and we had events we we left for the US and both of us had our tickets to return to Nigeria two weeks later we had events in Lagos then we came to the US and then the COVID thing started and the reasonable thing for everybody to do was to stay with their families and all of our children are in the U.S. So we decided to stay together as a family. That was it. Through the lockdown. And then when things, when the church resumed services, you know, that was when the week that they started resumed services was the week that answers started. So, and of course, it was just a matter of values you know the young people were complaining about police brutality and my intuition just told me support them (laughs) right and I started so when all that was over so we stayed back to watch how things would go when everything was over we wanted to go that was when we started having strange dreams dreams that we had never had before and they were too consistent and too aligned Pastor Nike had one she went to Nigeria came back and it was a bad dream when she told me I said I don't like that dream I, I cannot find any positive interpretation to that dream I don't like it three days later then I had mine and I had two dreams in one night which had never happened before saying the same thing and in both dreams I ended up fighting in fact the first one I was in a fight I shouted in the name of Jesus Christ and didn't realize that I shouted out into real life from the sleep. I was still sleeping but my shout woke her up. Then she woke me up. <laughs> she was saying, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I said, I was, I was in Nigeria and I was fighting. Right? So we prayed. This was around about 2 a.m. So we prayed and it was about three hours later when I slept off. And then I was back in a similar scenario. I was fighting again. I woke up. Then I said to her, like Pharaoh, two dreams in one night. I said, there's something going on. We actually had our tickets booked <laughs> to travel to Nigeria. And I said, we need to slow down. And then the messages came like they were too consistent. Even people that people that knew absolutely nothing about what was going on were saying exactly the same thing. That was when we slowed down. 
if it would take some time because it was very difficult for me see the longest i had been out of nigeria before base was 8 weeks longest in my life 8 <laughs> weeks and then you have a scenario where you've been out 6 months and then it's going to 8 months and 9 and then 1 year then 1 and a half then 8 was hard it was easy you know for some people to insinuate oh he abandoned his church and he went to canada like some bloggers said or he went to us i said who lives the kind of a thing God helped us to build in Nigeria to go and do what exactly because usually people would go like they say to look for greener pastures <laughs> what would be greener would actually be really really greener <laughs> if you have 40,000 people listening to you every weekend that's huge by any standard what are you going to look for right so and that puzzled everybody puzzled us to the one thing i kept saying was that look i've been a christian for almost 40 years i cannot be getting some messages from god and pretend like i'm not hearing there's something different there's something happening here i need to follow it through So as hard as it was I chose to obey that voice because I've made significant turns in my life like that radical turns like when we started the Star Christian Center it did not make sense to a lot of people but looking back now what else would should one have done it was a fantastic decision so this one the one thing I regret is that I was not flexible I did not realize that I was that inflexible that's what i learned about myself okay oh guys yes, you've been going in this direction turn left that became difficult what is it? at some point I, i had to say to myself so what if it was some some remote desert <laughs> <laughs> that you were asked to go This is United States of America my friend <laughs> wake up enjoy it <laughs> yeah because I, 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 i don't want to i don't cuz I, i don't want to, i don't want to i don't want to cut you now right but i i just i, I should point out that because you you had been saying that for years and there was a particular location you always used in church you always used to say that if god told pastor Nick and i yes. to pack to pack our things into a truck and go now to kutwenji Yes, that's what you always said. <laughs> Kutwenji. And this was not this was not Kutwenji. This was not Kutwenji. This was United States, Atlanta. God's own country, right? And then I was there. I wasn't enjoying the country. I wasn't enjoying myself because my mind was just tied to where I was coming from. But eventually yeah, I I was having a discussion with my friend Mr. Lake Elder. and he said pastor sam there's a problem you're in a tentative state and it's not a good state you're not going forward you're not going back because your mind is just tied to nigeria or oh, maybe next month we'll go maybe next month we'll go he said he said i'm sensing that there's some there are some huge opportunities for you where you are and you won't access them until you just come down and tell yourself where i am is where I'm supposed to be now. This is where God wants me to be now. Mm. Said so then you'll be able to get through this season. Do whatever it is you're supposed to do. 
and he he was very he was on point i couldn't even argue with what he said he was very much on point and that was where i realized my attitude was going to be the problem it's amazing for us preachers you know and teachers and speakers it's easy to do the speaking easy to do the talking the doing is where the real thing is not as easy as it is to talk i talk about the fact that people need to be flexible right i especially the story of uh, peter in the bible the day god told him to eat animals he had never eaten before animals that they said were unclean in the old testament and the man was arguing with god he was telling god i have never and god said ah. so, but who told you they were unclean okay i've changed my mind you cannot call unclean what i call clean so what you were not doing before it's okay for you to do them now the dispensation has changed our program has changed we're in a new chapter oga <laughs> so and i now i now find myself right in the same scenario but the moment i switch my attitude then uh, things began to come into clear uh, sharp focus of course a, a, a big deal of it was what God's helped us to build in Nigeria that it should not fail it should not collapse it should not go down I didn't realize that God God is very wise he was also using it as an opportunity to show us what he helped us to build before because from scratch we did not build it on personalities we built it on purpose we built it on principles we built systems and we built people so eventually what we've then had from that also is what we call an organizational miracle that has been running three and a half years almost four years going to four years now it's running <laughs> right and that is very significant because i've always been interested in the longevity of organizations and succession you know i was teaching i started teaching entrepreneurship some 21 22 years ago in in desta and i said i observed the pattern so i began to ask people which business do you know that was founded by a nigerian that is 100 years old so i was asking that question 20 years ago and as at that time the only organizations whether businesses or churches that were over 100 years old were established by europeans or americans in nigeria so it's a cultural problem that's it my master the dissertation for my master's degree in leadership was on succession planning so for me to see now that okay we've been able to build an organization that has been able to thrive for three years without our presence that is so so fulfilling at a deep level because what it communicates to you as a founder is if anything happens to me and I'm taken out of the way this thing will continue mm. and that's fantastic mm. that's that's solid i mean so i'd ask people then who were going to church and I'd, i'd ask i said look so i used to ask every week it, it became almost an obsession 
did, did people come this week? <laughs> As I mean, I, I don't mean did people come. I mean, this is day start with 40,000 members. Of course, people always come. I just wanted to know service to service where the numbers diminished. Right. And I, I, I got essentially that no, not really. But I always figured I'd ask you, but I never got around to. So over time now, plus or minus uh mm-hmm. did they start grow did the numbers diminish or is it just on the average what it was your this your absence what did it do for the attendance well the amazing thing is you know it was also a, a season of massive change for the world the pandemic and the pandemic changed human psychology in a massive way people don't want to accept it but it did and the world can never return back to where it was before. Mm. The beautiful thing mm. is that Desta was prepared for it. It's amazing. The massive shift to technology, um, remote work, uh, meetings on Zoom, and all that. In 2018, I was going through our weekly attendance report. And I observed the pattern. I, the figures. So, online attendance over the weekend, on Sundays, we were recording 12,000 to 15,000 connections. I thought to myself, 12,000 to 15,000? That's a mega church on its own. Then I saw, I saw some misalignment. Let me put it that way. The way we were treating the people attending online. We were not treating them the same way we were treating the people attending physically. So I took it to our management. I said, something is going on. Have you been paying attention to the figures? Twelve to 15,000? I said, that's huge. I said, have you observed the language we use when we talk about them? We say, oh, let us welcome our online audience. I said, audience? They're not spectators. They're not, they are as real, right? They are attending the service to just like the people you are seeing physically. So we went into a long discussion on how to include them and treat them exactly the way we treat the people attending physically. In fact, what we decided to do was to set up a center for them, set up a church for them. So that's how we created the Daystar Online Church. This was two years before COVID. We gave them a pastor. We appointed a pastor for the Daystar Online Church. We recruited workers, you know, and then we became deliberate about how we started the service, that some people would engage them a few minutes before the church starts, welcome them, and then take them into the service to be part of the worship. When we were doing welcome, for our guests, we would welcome them specially. In fact, we, we decided to prefer them, put them first. Welcome them before welcoming those present physically. Everything we did in the physical service, you know, where, for example, we gave, gave cards for people to fill because they were guests, we put theirs online. We put the link, you know, in the chat room. Now we actually even add also a QR code, you know. So, all that was going on before COVID. When COVID moved everybody online because of the lockdown, we just continued. <laughs> it just meant that we stopped the physical service, continued online. So, and then, okay, 
now we're back to running physical services all over the world everybody knows people have tested the convenience everybody is not going back to the physical service like that people who were attending every week before would attend once in two weeks now or once in a month physically the others they would do online it's just damn too convenient Mm. You attend the service in your pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> you attend the service in your pajamas. And while the service is going on, you actually go and make tea or make breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> right? In your p- and people attend three or four churches. Like that. In the time they would use to attend only one church before. Because of the, the travel time to back to and fro and all that. You finish one service here, switch to this other church, switch to that one and switch to that one, you know? So it's just a red So what we then did was we went through every aspect of these last operations. And we were changing everything to hybrid. Took took us meeting every week for seven months. Changing everything into hybrid. We then observed something. It's when you're dealing with physical structures that you actually have to define the time of the service. Because you can't be running 24-7. It's too expensive and people can't even afford it. But when it's online, all those barriers come down. Someone can decide to attend their service at 2 a.m. on Tuesday. So what we then did was, yes, we run our service real time. Then we take the whole service and put it online so people can stream. The people that stream from Monday to Saturday are always more every week than all those that attend the service physically and online on Sunday. Mm. People (laughs) attend the services now throughout the week. Before, we would just cut the message. That was what we put online. Now it's the whole service. Mm. So So this starts grown, actually. This has grown. This has grown. (laughs) That's what's happened. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, you mentioned the NSAS thing uh, at that point. So mm-hmm. we, I heard the the well, they weren't rumors. I, I heard the, for want of a better word, I, I heard the report that because of the support that you gave to the young people on Twitter, no less Twitter and probably Instagram, you know, because of the support that you gave to the young people, yeah. applauding their bravery, their ingenuity, yeah. their lack of fear, their ability to stand up and question things, you know, for better or for worse, just that a group of young Africans can stand up yeah. and question stuff. You mm-hmm. you you applauded that, you know. In fact, in fact, for your for your tweets that I read, that was what you were applauding. Right. You weren't even speaking to who was wrong or who was right. You were just saying yeah. the fact that you guys could dare to look power in the face and question power yeah i mean kudos to you i mean mm-hmm. am i getting it was that what you did absolutely you know we're building the democracy we're, we're building the democracy and there are certain values that make it possible for uh, the, the democratic government to be successful so you'll see wherever democracy has worked as a form of government. One of the core values is equality. Equality. So it's in the founding document of the United States. It's one of the three core values of France, equality, right? So when you say one man, one vote, then it makes sense. In our scenario in Africa, that's not the case. 
African culture does not rest on the fact that everybody is equal. Everybody is not equal. We may even write it in some of our constitutions, but practically speaking, that's not our experience. Our leadership culture is built on the monarchical structure. And in the monarchical structure, <laughs> how can the subject be equal to the king? It's not possible. The king is... You are deity, you're right next to God up there, and you are Kabiosi, so you are not answerable to anybody, you are not accountable to anybody. Now, all those are directly contrary to the essence of democracy. So, in African culture, you grow up knowing that as a child. You you don't have the luxury of correcting your elders. They'll beat the hell out of you. That's not your business, right? I mean, when when you grow up like in our Yoruba culture, lying down flat on the ground to greet an elder, <clears throat> so wisdom would give you sense that you're not supposed to query the, somebody that you're practically worshiping like that. So. We lose our voices. The, the the culture takes our voices away from scratch. So that for once, you know, young people were able to speak. And what they were asking for was justice. It wasn't just that they wanted to be a violent mob or something. They were not out to overthrow government or anything. They were complaining about police brutality. <clears throat> so I, I thought that was fantastic. <clears throat> okay, thank God. Then we're having a new generation that is going to shift this culture a little bit. Because as long as leaders are not accountable, forget it. Nobody's going to take care of anybody. They're going to take care of themselves. Human, them, the reason why they say democracy is the best form of government is because in the places where it has been successful, it has managed human weakness. Human nature and power don't go together. Human nature and power don't go Whether financial power, social power, political power, they don't go together. It, it Power does something to human nature, right? Like, um, we know that famous statement, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts, absolutely. It's just what it is, right? <clears throat> so, where democracy has been practiced, you find out you've got to be able to hold, you know, have the reins, on leaders. You give them the power, but you don't give them everything. In fact, it's citizens that have the power. Then they delegate a little bit of it to government. In Africa, government has the power and gives a little bit of it to whoever they want to give some of the power to. So I saw that these young people were about to balance the equation a little bit and it was good to support them. That was it. Uh-huh. Right. So exactly as I thought, that was what right. you did. Yes. And then I heard the report. In fact, I saw the report that your name was on a list of, in fact, it's, how do we call it? It's not a wanted list. Right. It's a list of people who the government was looking for. They had to report. I mean, how was that list put together? It was it was on a be on the lookout for, was it a bolo or was it a wanted list? No, it was just a rumor, actually. There was no list like that. Oh, there really? Was no, absolutely. There was no list like that. Government wasn't looking for me or anything. I have too many friends in government to not know. Are you serious? <clears throat> there was no list? There was no list anywhere. What, the only list that surfaced was created by a young man that took some of us to court. 
you know, the whole scenario ended with violence, right? <laughs> and this gentleman went to court that his businesses were destroyed and therefore listed, I think, 49 of us that we were the ones inciting the young people to violence and he lost his businesses. So he filed the case in court and I happened to be the only preacher <laughs> on the list. The others were entertainers and influencers and things like that. So that was the list and the case was going nowhere until uh, unfortunately the young man passed away and the case died a natural death. Wow, the guy died? Yeah, sadly. Wow, I, I, I didn't know any of that. It was it wasn't as much in the news as when he took us to court. Uh-huh. Right? It, I don't know why, but the media just didn't pick the story. It's the way it works, isn't it? Somebody slings mud at you in the media, libelous, slanderous statements, malicious things that are nowhere near mm-hmm. truthful. Yeah. And everybody stands up and carries it. Yeah. And then when you refute it and the truth comes out, nobody talks about that. It's amazing the way it works. I've seen people wrongly, falsely accused, right? And then maybe even taken to court. And then when the court acquitted them and discharged them, almost nobody heard about it. It was just like a whisper. It's just, <laughs> just the way it works. It's just the way it works. That's that's just wrong. Right? It's just wrong. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. You and I were speaking one day. Uh, and and I'll lead uh, I'll lead us into it now. Um, what was the worst thing, the worst rumor you heard? I mean, you're, 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 you've touched on it now, but I want us to go slightly deeper or way deeper into it uh, about your reason for being away. And uh, this is why I asked. One day, I uh, I made the egregious error of granting uh, a newspaper interview to a newspaper in Nigeria. This was almost three years ago now. Right. And I swore that'd be the last time I ever did it. <laughs> Incidentally, you called me that night. Okay. And so they had asked me, they said, ah, why are you? Why have you been away for this long? At that time, it was about a year and a half. All right. You know, COVID was just ending. And to which I said, look, uh, there are several reasons, but also key, key in that, primary to that, on top of that list is that my, my kids, my family, fatherhood made me take an unanticipated break from work. Right? I mean, it made sense, right? Yeah. We came into America. I greatly, for some reason, I greatly underestimated what it would take for Toby to handle one-year-old twins on her own. Somehow, I just thought, I don't know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I just thought. So, mm-hmm. when we got here, the reality on ground was different. Yeah. And then COVID and all of that. And so, I considered going back and forth to do the show. I'll be gone for three months at a time, two months. Do I want to do that? I'm like, nah, I can sacrifice. So that's what I said. Fatherhood made me take an unanticipated break from work. And so they posted the story and it ended up on Instagram. Uh-huh. And oh my God, come and see some of the comments. Right. He's a liar. They, they were, there was no more sponsorship for the show. Hey, that this. He was broke and all of that. And I was, it was a very amazing day for me. Yeah. I didn't know that we had such collective level of low level thinking I don't want to be abusive I just I I could not just believe that level of thinking because not only was it not true it was just Mm -hmm. how do you how does that not make sense to you that 
I did not want to leave my wife and kids alone in COVID in the United States. Makes and incidentally, sense. you called me that evening. Right. And then we were talking. So we spoke about me. Mm. <laughs> but we never got around to asking you. <laughs> what was the most ridiculous rumor you heard about your being away in the United States all that all that time? Oh, well. So there was this story um, that was titled how Pastor Sam Ademi, who used to say that Nigeria would change, <laughs> abandoned his church and moved with his family to Canada. So, <laughs> when I saw it, I felt like, hey, no, in the first place, it's not Canada. It's <laughs> USA. I thought, what's the difference between the two? They said, you abandoned Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> you want to argue that it's not Canada. It's not Canada. You know. Um, so, abandoned his church. I said, do you have an idea what that church is like? I, and so I thought to myself, who would abandon such a thing if not that village people have had <laughs> caught up with the person. <laughs> you know? So, there are some times when it makes sense for you to put out a rebuttal, you know, and try to correct things. There are some other times when there's no point to just leave something to to just die on its own. In this instance, you know, I discuss everything with the Holy Spirit. I pray about everything. Because people wonder, where do you get the wisdom from? Those things that you say, they are profound. Da, 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 da. It's because they are inspired. Like those tweets that I did during answers, honestly, they were downloaded. I would pray. I prayed so much during that period. And I would just get inspiration. Just I would pick my phone or iPad and type. And the Holy Spirit say stop. And then after some some, some hours, I would hear tweet. <laughs> Honestly, because I wondered why I would be far away in the United States. I would tweet, and what I tweeted would go on the national dailies and all that. And then the retweets and all that would go tens of thousands, and things would go viral. I was asking Pastor Nike, what did I do? I was what jealous of you that time, actually. That <laughs> was. I'll never forget Adekunle Gold saying, let's give Pastor Sam a bottle of cold, cold beer. Cold beer. <laughs> I, I, I was like, man, Rev is in the mainstream. And I asked him, I replied him and asked, I, I said, Lee does not in the temptation. Yeah. Oh, by the way, is it chilled? Is it chilled? How chilled, how chilled, how chilled? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> That was good. How chilled is it? <laughs> right? They were inspired, you know. So, when it came to replying what people were saying. Honestly, the other spirit just said to me, why do you want to explain what even you don't fully understand? And that was the truth. Even I could not explain what I was going through. So, what was I going to explain to the people who were creating narratives, which is just normal human nature, right? So, I just kept quiet. Right? Yeah. But it was tough. 
You're just reading all sorts of things about yourself, right? Yeah. It can be hard. I mean, how do you look? Because I used to think, see, here's the thing I have to confess. Mm-hmm. So it was TDJs that I used to watch back then right. who, when he would be preaching on Sunday, when he was on the pulpit, he would make a allusions to what mm-hmm. the rumors were about him mm-hmm. you know he wouldn't exactly call names or deal with them head right. on but you will know he was talking about rumors about him and i used to think to myself then that i mean you're bigger than this ignore mm-hmm. i mean why are you right. that's what i used to say right but now that it started to happen to me i i i, mm-hmm. I didn't handle it very well mm. i'm still struggling with it right. in fact in in lieu i mean in 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 face yeah. in response to this podcast we're now doing because you see this is not the teddy baby face show all right you see right. on the teddy baby face show right. you and i spoke on that show 13 years ago Absolutely. and we just glossed over a couple of things right i mean this right. is the deep dive right you know it is so you can there are responses and reactions to this and some of those responses are asinine right they lack any sort of logic or intelligence Uh, and it is the arrogance with which the people actually put it out it gets it really bothers me and i want to reply every single time but right. but, but now I, i i realize so here's the question i want to ask you mm-hmm. king solomon has two two proverbs two yeah. injunctions that yes. don't make sense right because they are back to back exactly and you know you know That's the contrary. one say it say it say it you know the ones that don't answer a fool lest um uh you know it says Don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. Then he says, answer a fool according to his folly, so that he will not be wise in his own. Two verses back to back. Back to back. Don't answer. Yeah. Lest answer. you be thought a fool. Yeah. Answer. answer him. <laughs> lest you think. So which is which? Which one should we do when? So the key word there is discretion. The fact that life is not always linear and life is not always rational. Sometimes you use logic, sometimes you use intuition. That you've got to be sensitive because context will always be different. The people you are dealing with will always be different, the environment will always be different. There's a time to answer, there's a time not to answer. So it's always good to step back, reflect. Yeah. Some people If you reply them to tomorrow they won't get it. So there's no point replying. Mm. Some I posted something on Instagram once. Someone replied with a critical answer. I thought, "Oh, this person didn't get me, right?" So I gave full explanation. The person was not convinced, was still harsh on me, then I stopped. Because at that point I realized the person was biased. The person was operating at an emotional level i was trying to bring in logic and once the emotions kick in logic does doesn't work when somebody is biased or prejudiced their minds are already made up so sometimes there's no point trying you're just wasting your energy trying to convince i'll say also though um i always try to come from a point of empathy and that's that has to do with the person you know that is making the statement um hmm uh, dr david depo said something to me once see a newspaper carried something about me that was not true so i was complaining to him if the, the interesting thing is a newspaper in the uk always also carried a story about him 
So the first thing I did was to bring that up. <laughs> you know, after greeting, I said, ah, he was on the phone. I said, sir, have you received... I said, sorry about what this newspaper wrote about you. Because I know it's not true. He said, eh, what did they write? I said, oh, you've not heard about it. You just see, he said, no. <laughs> they said, so and so and so and so. But they said, it's a pack of lies. I just arrived from the UK you know <laughs> and the very organization they say is giving us problems actually wrote us a letter you know uh, talking about how much the government needs to return to our church and how they are going to schedule the payments and so on I said wow I said yeah I said well a newspaper carried this about me too <laughs> they said so and so and so he said did they say that you stole something I said no he said face your job <laughs> I said, hey, this is a face your job. He said, look, <laughs> do you know how many things I've seen them write about me in newspapers? If you're going to face all those at the end of the day, you're not going to achieve anything meaningful. So, so people do those things um, from different viewpoints and different levels. Now, you know social media has democratized the media. With with that phone, everybody practically has their own radio station, their own TV station, their own newspaper right now. And and they have the right to publish anything. So that takes me back to what uh, Bishop Edipo ended with that day. He said, look, they're just opinions. All those things you're reading, they're just opinions. He said, but they are opinions that are harshly expressed. And you don't have to respond with harshness. Oh, wow. I empathize with products of the Nigerian educational system. <laughs> Some of the way I'm hearing that is... <laughs> now, it's, it's different from probably the way you intended it. But I'm hearing it and on my deepest comedy level. <laughs> I empathize with the products of the Nigerian educational... <laughs> and it's, it's sounding like I am not a product of the Nigerian educational system, but I am, right? I am. And... But we've seen the educational system in Nigeria just dropped massively over the last few decades because you post something on social media, somebody responds to it and you ask yourself, did you read what I posted? Do you, do you, have, do you have any sort of processing units? Honestly. Because the person did not comprehend and it's not compulsory for you to reply or to come you can just pass by right and look that is look when when i see god i will ask him what that thing is in most people that i i don't get it to rev till tomorrow i don't get it right why, why must you why must you reply why must you type something you you mean you can't see something and just move on, just move on. You, you must you must type something right and in the bid to express yourself because you have the power to say something then you say nothing you actually expose your ignorance, right? So sometimes you act, you want to reply angrily. But like I said, love is the highest law. So I've learned to just turn on my empathy. So instead of being angry and insulting the person, 
then what I feel is sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I'll adopt that. Hello. Uh, yeah. Who did this to <laughs> us? <laughs> Who, did, right. Who did this to us? Hello. <laughs> some people actually at some point were so harsh on me. People misinterpret, for example, the NSAS thing, people misinterpreted what I was doing because uh, they were biased, politically right, which is understandable. Then they thought I was maybe attacking the government or attacking people in government. And they did not realize that that administration happened to be where I had the highest number of friends in government than I ever had, right? So it wasn't that. I was talking to government officials while the whole thing was going on. I operate based on principle and principles have no respect for persons. Principles don't discriminate. So I don't discriminate. I stay on the truth. I was not attacking anybody. I was just saying the truth. It's development that I want for the whole country and for the whole environment. Some people were bitter. They were consistent in their attacks till I recognized them, right? I recognized the handles on social media. They were consistent. And what I felt for them was just empathy. Whatever it was, you know, that was bothering them, they were threatened. Something was threatening their comfort, threatening, you know, their stability or sense of security. And it was just empathy because they were operating at a lower level. Mm. Have you ever blocked anybody? My personal assistant has blocked on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> I've never personally blocked anybody. I, 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 I don't know why. I feel like it's better I know what they're thinking because it helps me. It, it I take criticism positively um, for whatever reason. <clears throat> I want to know what people are thinking. I would rather know what you are thinking ahead and, and see whether I'm doing anything wrong, right? So I can correct it. Yeah. Or, or at least know where, where you are at and then try to figure out how to help you to move from there to where you are supposed to be. So I don't take those uh, criticisms personally. Okay, and you have never deleted a statement. I mean, some statements are just downright insulting. You just leave them there like that? Um, oh, no. Some have the tendency to create the wrong impression about me. Some, some people are just being plain stupid, you know. Just plain stupid. They if you have something negative to say about me, post it on your handle. But to come on my platform, my own handle, right, and then post this, your venom, this bitter thing on my own hand, my own page. Now you've crossed the boundary, for God's sake. So I delete it, right, so that people can see what I want people to see. They can hear what I want them to hear. They can read what I want them to read. Whatever it is you want, go post it on your hand. And then that fair is fair. I won't, I won't, you have a right to say whatever you want to say. Okay, so I don't want people to distract others because, and you know how human nature is. I need to even help myself too. Human nature is attracted more to the negative than the positive. Yeah. So, if I post something and I have 50 comments, 49 of them are positive. One is very negative. Is that negative one that's... <laughs> that's just going to ruin... Honestly... Ruin the entire afternoon. That's the one I want to read again and again and again. <laughs> <laughs> I have to help myself take it out. 
you know, because the truth is there's more working for me than what is working against me, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, so I have, to, I have to help myself and help everybody else that feeds on my platform because the truth actually is that I'm using that platform to add value to people. So some people post to provoke me. I feel like replying them. Then I realize if I do, then all my followers right would see <laughs> and I think to myself on Twitter I have 1.5 million followers on Facebook 1.1 million. Why should I reply someone and actually help them to amplify their foolishness? Right? <laughs> There's no need, right? <laughs> Ignore and and move on. Yeah, you know somebody said that to me. There was just like uh, about two weeks ago somebody had said something and I had replied back. I said you must not be talking about me. And the person had said, "Well, uh I am if you want to discuss it." And of course to me at that person. So I went to the person's profile. This was somebody with about 400 followers. I, I am supposed to now engage with you and I are now supposed to sit down as equals and engage which is not a problem if we are having a a mutually building right. discussion you insulted me I'm now supposed to sit down with you and start trading insults because you have a phone and some data we are now supposed to be doing this you and I right it doesn't make any sense exactly I humility is a major key to wisdom humility nobody knows everything and when you have the huge opportunity that technology has given us today hello we should be learning every single day we should be growing every single day if some people choose to abuse that opportunity then of course i can't go down into the mud with them so i would rather i want to be feeding on what is positive and i want to be feeding people too I want people to get value. Why would I have so many followers? Not because I just because I have a fine face. It's because <laughs> <laughs> I am adding value, right? Yeah. So I better just focus on that than respond to somebody who is angry for one reason or the other. Maybe they woke up on the wrong side of the bed or mm. and they probably will feel better tomorrow. So Amen. <laughs> we pray for them. Uh okay, so where where are we now in because we're sitting now in we're sitting in College Park, Maryland. Uh we're about to have uh this awesome leadership event tomorrow. Okay. The last time that I was on a leadership event with you we were in Oregon in Nigeria. Right. Okay, so where are we now? Is 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 Dr. Sam Adeyemi now uh is he now more in the United States or is he back to Nigeria? Is that period over and can we expect to see you in church now every Sunday or every other Sunday or I I just need to know where are we now? <laughs> right. So the interesting thing is that in early 2014 Asunike and I actually announced to the church that we were shifting our work to the global stage. <clears throat> that was when we set up offices in the US because we knew we would have to rely on technology to reach the whole world and that the US would give us the platform to be able to do that. So and that was when we started uh, moving back and forth apart from moving around other countries. Of course until covid came disrupted everything 
So now things are going back, <clears throat> but not to where they were before. It's actually a shift now. So what what is what has happened is an evolution, right? <clears throat> an evolution to bigger platforms, global platforms. Um, an evolution even in the message itself. The beautiful thing is that God gave me the unique ability to speak to the church world and then to speak to the whole world outside of religion, right? Um, when I started this whole journey in 1995, it was actually that bigger platform of speaking to the whole world that I started with when I went on radio, Success Power. And people knew me for Success Power for some years before they now knew me for Desta, right? Gratefully, Desta grew to be big, but then some people in their minds have just locked me into that space. It's Pastor Sad, right? <laughs> so this other dimension then is coming up again. It's not new. It's always been there. You know, the success message has evolved into leadership because at the highest level of success, you help other people to succeed. Now, inspiring other people to succeed, that's what leadership is about. In, and in, in, in the course of that, I went for my graduate studies in leadership, got the master's, got the doctor of strategic leadership, so that I would not just be teaching leadership, I actually want to work with leaders. In business, in, in government, I want to advise leaders. It doesn't need to be out in the open privately. People assume that the fact that you are occupying the leadership position makes you a leader. But we see so many people making a disaster of the opportunity <laughs> because leadership is a skill. It's a set of qualities, character qualities and skills. So, not only did I go to school to learn academically, I've actually practiced, I've cultivated, I've tested those skills. And now, I'm serving leaders with those skills. So that's why um, I'm start, I started training in the last two years. So I have a training for pastors. I have a training for business leaders. But then this big conference we're holding tomorrow is the first time we're holding a leadership conference that is for everybody. Um, I'm pushing... A campaign it's a movement actually it's more than an event it's a movement in which i am trying to get everybody to understand that everyone can lead everybody has leadership potential the more people shack their responsibilities refuse to accept the fact that they can be leaders the easier it is for that small percentage of people in the elite class to control their lives control and dominate their lives um, two There's what I call the average leadership quotient of any group, maybe family, maybe organization, maybe a nation. And it is that average quotient that actually determines the rate of progress of the group. So people think 
that's what people expect a messiah, right? They want somebody that will come and work magic, a president or a governor somewhere. They don't know that. They are also contributing that if they don't develop their leadership skills, it lowers the average leadership quotient and the progress is still going to be slow. So we want to teach everybody leadership, right? So we're starting this conference for the first time ever, the Dear Leader Live Conference, we call it. And it's amazing uh, that we're starting from the U.S., but it's going to we're going to move it around the world, yeah, North um, around North America, Europe, Africa, uh, the Middle East. Yes. So don't expect to see you three Sundays back to back in Oregon anytime soon. Ah, um, <laughs> the again it's going to be work in seasons. So. Sometimes I'm, I may do three Sundays, I may do four, but then just know that sometimes also you may not see me for eight weeks <laughs> because I'm busy going around the world, different countries. It's amazing the opportunities that we're having all over. I've been having a fantastic partnership with the Global Leadership Network, the organizers of the Global Leadership Summit in Chicago, where I spoke in 2015 and 2017. Uh, they always measure feedback. They get feedback from attendees. When you... Okay, so they have the conference in Chicago and they have hundreds of centers in North America that connect live where people are gathered. They then take the videos, edited, translated into more than 50 languages and they hold the conference via video in more than 100 countries. So speaking twice within two years at the event having that taken all over the world was just phenomenal for me i met the leaders from latin america for example and they found out the second time when i spoke that my presentation came first at all the locations in latin america and they were trying to find out why they came to the conclusion that the culture in Latin America is closer to the culture in Africa than it is to the culture in the United States, as close as they are geographically. My stories, they said my stories resonated more with them. It's the same leadership culture, that monarchical structure that I spoke about. Asia, same thing. In At practically all the centers in India, it was the same thing. And then, of course, Africa, around Africa. So I've then been getting invitations to speak. Like earlier this year, I was in Angola, right global leadership summit and it was so powerful they speak portuguese in angola right and then i was in guatemala right also global leadership summit and next year they're asking me to come to panama mexico costa rica and other countries like that apart from in africa kenya democratic republic of congo and so on so with that yeah that's why it should be difficult to just have me around like that in a long stretch. But the one thing these time members know is that they will hear me and see me every other Sunday. So if I can't be present physically, I'll be present virtually. Mm, okay. That's the new world we're in, right? <laughs> when you started to answer that question, I had this huge smile and you know on my on my face and laughter, smile, laugh and all that. It's two things that occurred to me. Right. First was uh when you said Mm-mm, you won't see me every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, 
it was an essay a cursory that my father used to say because we used to do that whole golden verses we used to have morning and night prayers okay. and you had to say a verse every night before we prayed you know you had to say a verse and one of the ones my father used to say was nigba kon yi ori mi nigba kon yi ki yo si ri mi mo now you see me and uh, there will come a time you won't see me again something jesus said you know so i just remember that and i was smiling and then second i was smiling that man <laughs> weren't we lucky then to have been attending this star in the years that we did right when you were there wednesday saturday yep. And Sunday every week, every week, month week for now. years. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. I started in 2000 and started in 2003 or so, uh, 2002, right. 2003, mm-hmm. and that went all the way up until Absolutely. 2013, 14, yeah, exactly. 15. Exactly. So I guess it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> when when we went back to when we went to Nigeria in January this year for the first time in three years. You know, something happened that, you know, just touched me. A lady approached Pasonike and myself as we were walking out of the service. And she said, please, can I can I give both of you a hug? I joined this star while you were away. So this is the first time I'm seeing you physically. Yeah. And I thought, wow. <laughs> the beautiful thing for that category of people, though, see, some people moved from this star because they just couldn't handle it that their pastors were not around for two, three years. But loads of other people also moved in. And the beautiful thing for them is that's the only world they've known, right? That's the only day that they've known where the pastors, the senior pastors are not there, the founders are not there physically. They see us on the screen, though, <laughs> you know. So, and they are comfortable with it because that's from scratch. That's the day that they met, right? They know. Yes. That's what they know. So, yes. um, that's that's positive. Well, yeah. So, sense. speaking of those who left, final question now. Speaking of those who left, there is there is this question I'm going to ask you, and I can tell you before ahead of your answer that you're going to be very. Uh, politically correct in answering it you're going to be theologically correct you're going to answer it with wisdom because it's that type of question Ah. but it must be asked okay it is that it is this exodus just this wave of people who are leaving and have left the church and it really happened during covid and then a certain concomitants came together that that has really happened i mean of just talking to you right now i can i can I'm sure I can come up with 20 names easily of people who are never going back to church. Hmm. And at the root of that problem, the the major cause of that problem is with all due respect, it is the inconsistencies of church leadership. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, leaders of a few hundred members or even a few thousand members. I'm talking of the most recognized church leadership brands in the world leaders of tens of thousands of people biggest congregations in the world are are giving prophecies they are saying god said god told me on this day at this season this will happen mark my word it is the god that i serve 
and then the day comes the season comes and nothing happens right not once not twice sometimes three four times right god said and this all over the place nothing happens yeah. and so people are now disenfranchised they are disillusioned they are disenchanted which kind of god who is lying now is it you that is lying or this god and if that is the case but we've been listening to you for years so have you been lying all the time so i guess the question is yeah. what's happening rev it's a leadership thing like you said it's a leadership thing and see when we address the leadership issue there's a subtle dimension to it that people don't pay attention to or take for granted leadership culture the dangerous thing about culture is that it influences your decisions without you even knowing because it operates at the subconscious level I say that a tree, when you look at a tree, what is in the soil around the tree is what is inside the tree. It's difficult to divorce yourself from your environment. So, practically in every sector in Africa, right, and then around the world, whatever the culture in a society influences religion. Religion has the power to influence culture, to shape it. But if you are not careful, culture also has the power to shape religion. Let me give you an example. So in Africa, like I said, we have the monarchical structure of government. It's like in the DNA of the average African. If you are not self-aware and purge yourself of it, that's the same structure you will produce. You produce in your family, you produce in your business. If, when you get into government, it's the same thing you will maintain. So it's in our churches. Mm. It's just the way it is, right? The people want to worship their leaders. So, if you don't go with that culture, you may not like have a large following. If you go countercultural, right, you will pay the price for it. <laughs> Although eventually it will pay you because you will have authentic true leadership. Sorry, let's stay there for one second. Right. If you start a church in our culture as it were, yes. and you go the proper way, look, don't serve me. I'm not your God. I'm just, I'm one of you. If you go that, you know. They will that's... believe you are not anointed. <laughs> the person that our people will respect or honor is the one that shows up and you have 20 protocol officers coming with the person. Possibly the person even has a mobile police people that, two mobile police people that walk into the service with the person amazingly that's the person that people will believe has the anointing that's the one they want to touch the person's clothes uh, while the protocol person is pushing them away and they're falling down <laughs> and all that sadly because of the way culture works it works like i said you won't be aware of it but it will shape your values and be influencing your decisions so uh, again hmm because there is no equality, the powerful are very powerful, the powerless are very powerless, right? So, um, rather than empower people to become also powerful, is it pays you to keep them where they are while you dispense favors to them, because then you have a large following. What are the kind of messages we preach? God will put food on your table. God will, which runs contrary to even the Bible itself. Right? But then you go to societies where there's equality. You see that those things are taken care of. 
it's it's the easiest thing at least for you to get food to eat and for you to get a roof over your head right people are empowered and they have a voice to hold leaders accountable <clears throat> so it's risky in africa therefore for, for you to come out and say we are equal Right, <laughs> they will think something is wrong with you. As a church place. leader, you yeah, think as something. As a church leader, they will think you don't have anointing, you know, and all that. And then we flaunt wealth, material wealth. Our people worship money because of the level of deprivation and poverty around. You want people to believe you are powerful, you are anointed, coming in your Rolls Royce, even if you've not even you've only paid don't part payment in it but that you came out you know or with some powerful dressing and clothing you go contrary to those which actually is what Christ they did you know and you would you would have to be patient because eventually if it's the truth you're building it will set people free you will get the results so that was the part we had to take okay So I say that to answer your question that we have a big leadership scenario but we must approach it also with empathy because those powerful leaders are doing things the best way they know how to their products of the culture the one mistake though that I see us making with that kind of a structure is that we don't allow the younger generation to speak soon enough we don't value them we practically obliterate them we stay too long we don't we don't practice succession we don't understand the power of succession at some point you disconnect from the younger generation because their needs are no longer your needs therefore there's dissonance like the older generation in Africa right now is just not getting the gen z's right at all these people who were practically born with phones in their hands or with technology you know and so on the older generation doesn't even understand that the people online are as powerful as the people they are looking at physically in their churches and so on Let me give an example. So in in this that we created a persona for our target. Right? We call the male version the Lagos Andy, the female version Lagos Angie. And that helped us to focus, you know, everything in this that is targeted at those persons. When we created our persona in 1999, I was within the age range. I was Lagos Andy. So you didn't need to tell me the needs of Lagos Angie. I attacked them with passion. Today I am not Lagos Andy. I am not Lagos Andy at all. I left that level a long time ago. So the likelihood is so it's taking me effort now and least leadership. It's it's taking me having to list thing to younger people to know what their needs are to be sensitive to them and to address them. So I pointed out to our management team in Desta. Say look at this table. Almost everybody's out of the Lagos Andy age range. And those are the people who are supposed to lead we're about to lose them because if they don't see themselves on the stage we're likely not going to attract them anymore so we actually have new people coming on board in the next few months that are within that age range so that's the mistake 
I would say that the older generation is making at the time when we should become coaches we're still struggling to be players mm. on the field there's mm. no need mm. we need to push the younger generation forward now then the level of misunderstanding will be less they would even help us to understand what's going on better than us still playing by the old rules right and then being surprised the younger generation right now okay <laughs> Let me give an example. So I, w- I was teaching in church just a few years back, just before COVID, and I made this assertion. I was teaching on the ego. And I made this assertion that I'd been hearing for at least 30 years. The eagle is the highest flying bird in the world. The next day, a church member sent a text message to Pastor Nicker and said, I, I know I don't have the right to correct Pastor Sam, Okay. But he said something in church yesterday that the eagle is the highest flying bird in the world. That statement is not correct. <clears throat> if I went Pastor Nick had told me, she told me gently, right? <laughs> <laughs> As she was saying it, I was on my phone checking on Google. The person was right. The eagle doesn't even come within the first ten. <laughs> <laughs> highest flying bird. I went back to church and I apologized. <laughs> I told them, this is what I said. This is what one of you said. I checked it up. So that's why we need to allow younger people in, into leadership, honestly, because we don't realize you say something now that you said before and nobody would even bother to swallow it. They are checking on Google as you are saying it. And now they are seeing hypocrisy. That's why people are leaving the church. Mm. again because people are holding their ground the leaders are holding their ground what do you mean and these young people have gone to check all those uh, in the original Greek that you were saying before because nobody understood Greek if they go (laughs) online now they will get the correct meaning of what you are saying they are seeing a lot of hypocrisy in leadership they want authenticity and uh, this is just a call a call on all of us honestly, to practice leadership with honesty. And nobody says we should be perfect. People are not expecting us to be perfect, but they want us to be perfectly honest. When I when I owned up <laughs> to that error on the ego, then I was getting text messages and emails, and people were saying, wow, thank you for doing that. I never thought a pastor could do that, to come back and admit that they were wrong. You could just easily have glossed over it, forgotten and moved on, you know? and all that yeah so people just want that authenticity and they also want accountability they don't want a scenario where we're raising funds in church we say that god wants them to be rich and then at the end of the day they find out we're the only ones that are getting rich Mm. they're getting frustrated Mm. and the environment is changing we just need real leadership Mm. by by the way what is the highest flying bird in the world the griffon vulture (laughs) it flies uh, Pilots have sighted it at 37,000 feet above sea level. Wow. The same level where commercial airliners fly. That's amazing. Amazing. Uh, I can never forget that. Experience. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> they corrected the pastor. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Let me tag just one question to this thing. Right. So when people come out and say God said, and they beat their chest and say it with all... In my own, I... I, I 
I concede that there are many things that I don't know. In fact, I concede now more and more every day that I don't even know God as much as I thought I did. I, I really don't understand this guy like I thought I but but I but the one thing that is constant is that I'm I'm at least fearful of this guy. There's there's an expression we use in Yoruba. Uh, you know mm-hmm. that you're it's it's basically you're toying with god you're you're you're, you're toying with god's sword of vengeance I, I just i just can't there are just certain things that for me maybe it's because i was brought up in a christian home I'm, I'm just afraid even if i don't really understand the god when people come out in the name of this god i mean i'm asking you as one who's in that area yeah. because you have seen people is it that yeah. they've lost sight or they were never in it or they lack fear i mean what makes a person come out in the name of this god that you by your own saying have read the words that he he consumes like fire right what makes you come out as a man of god and say things i, I don't get, is it that they didn't hear or they heard wrong or what's going on here that's what i don't get i will well, be too afraid <laughs> various reasons honestly various reasons first faith is a business of risk this, <laughs> this hearing from god thing is is subjective right it's subjective it's not like you really saw god like that physically or something um hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says that there are those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil so just like when you hang around someone long enough you you get to recognize them like if i had your voice through a door i would i would recognize your voice right because i've been hearing your voice for years so it's the same thing with walking with God. Nothing says, you see, we're still human. So nothing says that we cannot make mistakes. The important part is for us to be able to come back and say, I thought I had, mm. but it looks like I missed it here. That's authenticity. That's honesty for God's sake. And nobody is supposed to kill anybody over that. But once you tie your esteem to your status, to the outcome right that's why i say faith is a business of risk it says say this you say it that's your own part of the job making it come to pass or not come to pass that's not your own part of the job right yeah so you you wait on him you trust him to do what he said he will do and of course he will do what he said he will do <laughs> it's a risk so and then if you find out that you made a mistake say that you made a mistake now so where people sometimes leaders think that people expect us to be perfect i used to think so too before i i did not know how to be vulnerable before admit my weaknesses and i thought people would lose respect for me until i began to read the books of uh, pastor yonggicho in south korea who whose church at that time was the largest single congregation in the world i read his books and i saw him admitting some of his mistakes i could not believe my eyes did this man really read this book did he how can the pastor the most powerful pastor in the world be writing this kind of it didn't he realize people would lose respect for him but eventually he also explained it in one of the books he said he found out that if he was vulnerable and authentic with his people he said what it built was trust he said he found out nobody could lie against him in town if they wanted to spread a false rumor his church members would say you don't know our pastor 
if this thing was true, he would tell us himself. I said, wow. So, if they are calling you, you know they are deceiving you. It's a big lie. Tell them you are a human being, my friend. The example I saw in the Bible, uh, Peter, the day Cornelius, a Gentile, you know, had Peter come into his home. It was an angel that appeared to Cornelius, mentioned Peter's name, and gave this man the address of where Peter was staying in another city. And it was correct. So as Peter stepped into his house, the man just fell down. And the Bible says that the man worshipped him. How did Peter respond? Most leaders would absorb the worship, of course. <laughs> ah, it's not easy <laughs> to get to this position. Peter just grabbed the man by the shoulder, jacked him up, and says, he said, stand up, I'm a man like you. That's what leaders need to learn to do. There's not no nothing special about you, my friend. It's just <laughs> the grace of God. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. Mm. You know, don't lose your humanity. Okay, stay level-headed. Stay humble. Don't allow hubris to to take you to the place where you want to go. If not, before long, they will be singing "I'm a Nijaba for you" <laughs> until they throw you <laughs> into a pit. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, it is possible for us to make mistakes in here. I should say too though that the things that come with success, the money, the power, the influence, if you allow those to get into your head to become so important to you, you know that you would compromise your values to get more of of the power of the money, you're likely to make mistakes. Uh, you're likely to make serious mistakes because in order to sustain you know that image in order to keep the money coming in order you in order to not lose what you had you would have to lie you would have to say something god did not say like he said it and so those things come in sometimes Ref, thank you. you. know, I was laughing when you said uh, this uh, whole hearing from God thing is a is, is a risky business. Right. <laughs> is that you now say that because your own is to see, his <laughs> own is to do. I, I now remembered Jonah. <laughs> right. And people, a lot of people don't know that. That is actually one of the reasons why Jonah ran away. Because that's what Jonah said in the end. Jonah said, you see, <laughs> this is why I did not want to come for you because i know that you can change your, your mind. mind i've said this thing now and this thing is not now gonna happen and the israelites who are back home are not here to see how this thing has played out so in their eyes now it will be as if i lied when i told them that god said that uh, nineveh will be destroyed now now you have changed your mind now now i'm a liar right. <laughs> so right. that's why okay so i get that so right. don't double down if that happens come back and say look i thought i got it yeah. i didn't get it mm-hmm. okay rev do you have five more minutes sure okay great because mm-hmm. i was just look you've said this thing in church for years but it seems that now it's a pandemic mm-hmm. really and i i don't want to look i'm not trying to uh assail anybody's faith or cast aspersions on how anybody worships or prays look that's not my place to do it's just that for me um god cannot be deaf we we seem to be living in an era now of very very powerful strong prayers shouting it's always been our way really 
but now it seems to have come out into the mainstream shouting prayers every morning shouting screaming shaking sweating jumping uh maybe it's become even more pronounced for me now that i have had the privilege of living in this united states for some four years now and i've seen a system that works and i've been to their churches and they don't do that and they were the ones that brought us this religion now that's so where did we get this our own shouting and screaming and jumping and sweating what's going on here right <laughs> okay culture culture again the power of culture <laughs> primarily from scratch our cultures always believed in god believed in the invisible believed in the fact that it's supernatural powers that control how things go down here uh, we've always been heavy on making sacrifices and things like that so that part of christianity we caught and the more difficult things get in the environment then the more of that the more we tend to rely on that call on god more pray some more so which is okay um people have different temperaments right so let them express themselves god doesn't have a problem with that the only thing i just plead for is the need for us to balance that power side of god that miracle side of god to balance it with the wisdom side of god that balance is what they found in this part of the world that when god put man down here he created a creator the first introduction we have to god in the bible is his creative ability in the beginning god created and then the same god says let us make man in our own image after our likeness he created us to be creators whenever you're calling on god to come and create what he has given you power to create you are wasting your time period that's why with all the prayers he's not created roads he's not built houses he's not built our economies for us he's not built factories he will not just forget it that's why I'm I'm pleading for the balance it's not good to swing on the wisdom part and to leave the power side the sovereignty of god because man will always confront situations that science cannot handle or resolve so we will need god but we should not swing to the extreme pendulums have this tendency of swinging to the extreme and human nature just behaves like that you know it's that you come to this world, but the best thing is to stay in the middle africa it's a prayer if i am begging <laughs> it's a plea we're not going anywhere the 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 improvement in the economy it's not rocket science if you don't have something to sell you can't have money what do we have to sell to the world bicycles we're not creating not to talk of motorbike before we move to cars right we've got to be innovative it's the way it works and we're not going to do that if we're not ready to promote the value of thinking the value of wisdom the value of knowledge the power of principles so I I would not have any problem if we were as intense in promoting knowledge and skills and wisdom 
as we were in praying with intensity. I will not have any problem. <laughs> you know what I think? If we were that way, if we were intense in promoting knowledge and wisdom and skill, we, we would wouldn't need. need <laughs> Abby, we wouldn't need to be praying and be shouting and be stomping like that. Our prayer points would even be different. Yeah. Our prayer points are tied to meeting basic needs. Yeah. Like food. they've cracked those issues. The people that think with innovation, what the farmer will produce over one acre hours it would take 10 to 20 to produce it mm. yeah it, um, where there's no wisdom you must exert more strength yeah where the axe axe is dull you must more exert more strength yes we we're not efficient mm. we waste a lot of resources so i agree with you that um if we did our part yeah then we would not be calling on god to come and do our uh, part for us yeah <laughs> they, we would discuss more with god about advancing the yeah. world and taking on more serious issues yeah. right rev don't let's wait 13 years to do this again please <laughs> i have so much to ask you see this is an accumulation of 13 years of questions now see, at, at this point you've been by far you've been by about 15 minutes right. the longest guest on this show oh. see i told you that when i said it was going to be one hour i said ah one hour and i said you'll see when we start talking now, the one hour will just go and you won't know. <laughs> it's been one Amazing. and a half hours. Don't wow. let's wait 13 years, Rev. All right. These things tend to pile up. Yes. Let's go, do sir. this again. So, <laughs> thank you, baby face. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs>